Blog Talk Radio.
Amen, amen. I'm crucified for Christ. I crucify, I deny my flesh for Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Ed Everly. I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States as well as around the world. Before we get into the message tonight on the program, let's ask the blessing of God upon it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the privilege of ministering your word tonight. Father, I ask you to anoint me, and we know your word is anointed, but anoint me and give me the words that you would have me to speak, Father. You know what is needed in this audience tonight, and I would ask, Father, that you would anoint me, anoint these airways, Lord, that you will not only minister what I'm teaching and preaching, what you would have me to do, but, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit be free to move in the midst of whatever the needs are of these people, whatever their hearts crying out for, Father, that you would meet them where they're at tonight. You said you're a very present help in time of need, time of trouble. You said in Psalms 46.1. So, Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you for what you're about to do tonight. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God for another week here, another night. And, you know, I was praying about well, what should I be speaking about, what should I be teaching about. And, you know, something that the Lord has laid in my heart, and I've now just in several other programs that I do uh, on the air, on live, as well as uh, on uh, uh, radio. And what I really have on my heart is verses, people knowing the Word of God versus themselves. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have to, first of all, understand the Scriptures. We need to understand what's the Scripture saying. And what are we to do with that scripture then? In other words, what what are we to do? What's our part, you see? In other words, God's word says something. We need to understand what he's saying in the context of it. What is it really saying? And then what are we to do about it? Because we know uh, many times, you know, people will take the word of God and they'll say, God will do this, God does this, God does that. But when you read the scriptures carefully and understand them, you know that we have a part in that. Many times there's things that we're to do. God did his part by giving us those scriptures and the word and making them life for us, and all we have to do is apply them to our lives. So what do we need to do for these things to work in our lives? And the next thing, what will we receive, you see, from them? And I have prayed about this, and, and of course the Lord has given me pertinent scriptures, scriptures that we need today. These are important scriptures, and not only are they important scriptures that pertain to us today, but there are scriptures that you and I have a part in that we need to do our part for it to really manifest in our life. Just reading it and saying it this many times doesn't get that job done, you see. We have certain things we must do, certain qualifications that we can actually say, hey, I applied that scripture in my life and God did this, God did that, you see. And that's what it's all about, understanding the word of God, doing our part, and seeing him manifested in our lives, giving us a testimony for the tests that we, many times we face, the challenges we face. So I want to go over multiple scriptures. Now, this will be several uh, weeks, several times. It might be three, at least, probably at least three sessions. This is number one, part one, and the next time I'm going to be number two, and then number three. I don't know how many it will be, but that's what it's for, and that's, that's what the uh, intention of it is, because, you know, God did his part. Now it's up to you and I to do our part. And that's where the title comes into this right here. Of it, uh, In other words, the ball is in your court or our court. The ball is really in our court because God did his part through Jesus. Jesus did his part, and then he went and he sat at the right hand of the Father. Now he called us, he anointed us, he directed us, he taught us, he showed us. He did everything, explained to us. And he says, now I've given you all this information, I've anointed you, I've called you, I've shown you how to, now it's up to you to do what I started, you see. He had 33 and a half years in this earth, and he started the great move that he had for us, you see. He started that move, now it's up to you and I to continue that. We know that it began with the apostles and down through the centuries, and now it's down to us, the last day people, or the last ones to be around it till the Lord comes. We're, we're the last generation. This generation will see Jesus Christ, and it's up to you and I to do our part in this last day that we can have a great harvest for the Lord, because this is harvest time right now, folks. This is about harvest time. 
So you and I need to understand these scriptures and know our part and do our part and see these become a reality. And as we get into these scriptures, you'll understand more so what I'm I'm talking about because they're pertinent to what we need to know, what we need to to do, because they're pertaining to the things that are going to give us the ability to live an abundant and a fruitful life for the Lord, you say. Okay, Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to first turn to me uh, the book of James, James 1.22. And I won't necessarily stop and wait each time for you to look it up. If you have a pencil and paper, it would be wise to write it down anyhow, because I'll be going over the scriptures, and you can look them up after the program. And you can always re-listen to the program, because uh, a short time after it goes off, uh, it's, it goes up uh, for a uh, uh, one that's already been done. It's a, a on-demand. They call it the on-demand section here at the site where you're at seeing this right now, or if you're on the phone listening, just go to the site, and you will see the on-demand section there, and you'll be able to listen to it again. Okay, James one twenty-two. This is a good point to start at. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we can learn, know, and study the word of God. But not only should we know it, be able to quote it, and be well-versed in it, we need to be putting it into practice in our life, you see. In other words, incorporate it in your lifestyle, not just on Sunday or when you preach or teach or, or whatever you do, but we're to live that scripture. That's to be part, put in our lives, that part, you see, in everything that we do. That scripture pertains to what we're to live, how we're to live, what we're to do. We need to put it in our lives, you see, because Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, but it's more than a relationship. It's a lifestyle with that relationship, completely living unto the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So it's a matter of living our all for the Lord. We aren't talking about something. I don't teach and preach a thing that you just come in and visit God, you receive something, you leave, then come in when you have another need. No, I preach a committed life. That's what I'm about, a committed life. And for people that interested in the committed life and how to have the victory in the Word of God, live a successful life and please God, and hear well done now, a good and faithful servant that he will say to those that, that earn that, well, then you want to listen to me. But if you want to play games and you don't really want to be serious about God, then I'm not the man you listen to. There's plenty of others that are preaching the ear-tickling words, but I'm not preaching that type of thing. I'm I'm just simply preaching what the Word of God says and what He tells us to do, because I found it works when we do that. We please God, we bless God, and we're blessed for doing it. And that's what it's all about for those that want to be committed to the Lord. Okay, be doers, not hearers alone. All right, He said, "You deceive yourselves if you don't aren't a doer." And it's true because many people in the church world today, they know the word, their church doctrine is that, their pastor believes that, he teaches that, they amen that, and that's what the church believes. So many people think, hey, I believe what you're preaching there, but don't just be here, but do or you deceive yourself. I believe that scripture, but ask them, are you applying, are you doing what the word's telling you? Well, I believe that scripture. I believe it's true. We we see ourselves, we don't do that scripture, but they don't take it to heart. Am I doing that, you see? Am I doing that? That's what you have to do. It's not as my wife, my husband, my child, my mother, my father, whatever it might be. Are they doing it, but am I putting it to practice in my life? And that's that's what it boils down to. It's many times there's a false hope or a false uh, comfort, so to speak, that I know this, my church knows it, this church talking, we preach it, we teach it, I amen it, and hey, I'm all right because I believe that, I believe that. But it, it isn't any good you're deceiving yourself if you don't actually incorporate it into your life and say, hey, I worked that scripture, I did what that scripture said, I obeyed it, I did it, and I want to give you a testimony of what happened, what the Lord did for me, you see. And that's 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 what it is. It's proving the scriptures to yourself in your life, you see. You're proving the word of God in your life by applying those scriptures. Okay? Next scripture is very familiar in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will hear their land. Now, here's a big mistake that's made on that scripture. That is so true. That's one of the most famous scriptures that there is today about the world's situation. We say, if the people would just seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and turn back to God, then this world would change. And that's true. 
But did you ever notice when people say that or preaching that, they have their fingers pointed out like pointing out to the world and the people, and it's true. We all need to do that, right? But the bottom line is, before we really preach that, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, now, hey, am I humbled myself? Am I praying and am I seeking your face turned from my wicked ways? Am I examining myself? Do I qualify this or do I have to make some adjustments to say putting it on me, putting the light on me. And then when I have that light straightened out and I examine myself, judge myself, then God said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive you of your sin and heal your land. So I did my part then, okay? I did my part for the healing of this land, you see. We have uh, millions and millions of people, in fact, several billion people, I believe would be the count. But yet I'm one out of all these billions of people. I did my part to, to make this what God wants it to be, you see. Answer to the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, am I, if I examine myself, am I the result? Am I the answer to what Jesus' prayer was? Am I the answer to Second Chronicles 7:14? Because I need to examine myself if I qualify there, you see. If I'm qualified, because it's not for me just to preach it, for me to examine myself first and then preach it. I have to take the beam out of my eye before I can look at you people and speak to you people, whether it's radio, TV, or no matter what it is, in the pulpit or anywhere, before I do that, I must be right myself because if I'm not, I'm a hypocrite. You see, I'm preaching something that I'm not doing, and that's, <laughs> that's horrible right there. So uh, we need to remember in these scriptures that I'm going over, and this is one of the key points, put it to you first before you try to tell it to your brother or your sister. You need to examine yourself, and you pass the test first. Do I pass the test first, you see? You always must do that. That's where we've made a mistake because so many times we point it out and say if everybody would do this, it would happen. But look at it this way. If everybody would point their fingers out and they'd say, you do this, you do that, and they never think of themselves, nobody would do anything, would they? We'd just be pointing out to others. Meanwhile, we don't do anything about ourselves. We have several billion people to do nothing at all except pointing fingers. So I think that's enough probably said about that because I'm sure you got your understanding there. But these are things that God would have us to do. Okay, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. You receive power. That was Jesus speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Okay, he said, Terry, folks, at the, to the upper room here, till I send the Holy Ghost, and don't go anywhere. Don't do a thing. Terry, till the Holy Ghost comes. He said, then you'll receive power. Okay, power has two meanings, authority and nobility. The authority would be, and I've used just a million times if I've used it once, authority would be like if I work at a car lot and, and I sell Cadillacs, and the owner tells me to go out and buy 10 new Cadillacs, he'd give me the authority, didn't he? Okay, I'm going to go out and buy 10 Cadillacs because the boss told me to buy them. Okay, but I'd say to the boss, I'd say, now, you gave me authority, right? I'm going to buy them. But what am I to buy them with? He'd have to give me the money, wouldn't he? And that's what it is with this power. Power means Jesus said, I'm giving you authority to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, do all these wonderful works that I did. I'm giving you the authority to do that. But he said, I know you can't do it unless I give you the power, the ability to do it. So he incorporates always what he tells you to do, tells you to do. The authority that he gives you to do anything, the power is always there. He doesn't give you the authority for something that you go to do it in your own strength. Of course it won't work because we couldn't begin to do anything in our own strength. But his power is there. His authority and ability are there to do it. But it's out of your mouth. It's out of your actions. Uh, it's a good example of this is Peter walking on water. He gave him the power or authority, walk on water. Peter, come. I bid you to come to me. Okay, that was giving the authority, wasn't it? But do you think uh, if he wouldn't have given the ability to do it, what do you think would have happened? He said, come here, Peter. But if he wouldn't have given him the ability to walk on water, Peter would have gotten the water like you and I, and he would have just sank, just like any of us would unless the ability was there. But he gave him not only authority to come on to me, but he said, I'm giving you the ability to do the job, and he did the job. 
And, of course, we know the story, how it took his eyes off the Lord. I'm not even going to get into that now. But the, what I'm trying to point I'm trying to get across, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the point I'm trying to get across is anything he tells you to do, he will do it through you. You don't have to say, well, wow, I can't do that. He wants me to do this, but I can't do that. Well, of course you can't do that, and he knows it. That's why he told you to do it, because he wants to show his power through you. He's not showing your power. He doesn't get glorified by what you can do. We don't glorify God in what we can do. He's glorified by his power, because we have no power. We're not supernatural. We're all flesh and blood. You see, we're not going to press nobody but ourselves. Some people have certain abilities and things that are kind of impressive, whether they're good singers or good this and that. But the supernatural power and the love power of God and his manifestation, nobody can do outside of God, you see. So that's what it's all about. He wants to show himself what he can do. In other words, I want to use Ed to show you me what he, what I am in my, uh, ability, not only my ability, first in my personality or my integrity of who I am, my character, then I'm going to show you what I can do by my power, you see, through the fruit of the Spirit, the character, the gifts of the Spirit, and the ability. Okay? So you should receive power. Now, that experience there is what you have the Holy Spirit when you get born again. You do have the Holy Spirit when you get saved. But you have the Holy Spirit being released and empowered through you, like it says in, in John 7:38, out of your belly so flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. It speaks of, of rivers of living water, and that's what that is. That's the empowerment the Holy Ghost is. He comes through you, you see. He comes uh, through your ability uh, and everything like never before. You're, you're just, uh, it's really a difficult thing to explain. It, it just, he becomes alive in you, the Holy Ghost, and everything just takes off because he was there not dormant. He was there. The Holy Spirit is energized by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's that's what happened, you see. Then you can go out and do the things that Jesus did. All right, and that that really gives you the ability to do it, because without that, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're no different than the people in the upper room where he said, hey, don't you go anywhere till you receive this experience. And he would say that to you and I today. Now, we don't have to tarry for that experience, the baptism of the Spirit, uh, because the Holy Ghost was sent when Jesus went back to the Father. He sent the Holy Ghost, remember? But... What happens is all we do is have to ask him and just simply believe it and receive the Holy Spirit's power, and that's it. It's that simple today. There's no tearing it, just receiving it. Receiving the Holy Spirit's power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the next scripture, and I'm kind of moving along here, but I believe you're getting the understanding of these a little bit. Uh, in Isaiah 54:17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Okay, let's kind of break this scripture down and kind of show you what I'm, I'm trying to point that I'm trying to get across to y'all. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That weapon can be anything from physical sickness, disease, poverty, lack, somebody trying to destroy your business, destroy your ministry, anything that comes against you to hurt you, right? All right. No weapon. These things that are formed against you will prosper. That's a promise to you, right? So nothing that's trying to destroy you, make you sick, kill you, or whatever it is can prosper. Now watch this part. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Okay, anything and anybody does when trying to destroy you, the devil directly or the devil through people, it says thou shalt condemn. Now, when they come against you, God doesn't condemn them. It says, you shall condemn, thou shalt condemn. So every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. So what is God telling you there, and what's he telling me? He said, the forces of darkness that come against you to hurt you, to destroy you, these weapons are trying to, to mess you up, but I told you will not prosper. He said, you will condemn them. And that means taking the authority, taking the authority in the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 19, and 20, he said, I've given you power over all spirits, all the works of Satan, all demon activity. I've given you the authority. So it's up to you, it's up to me to take that authority when these things come against us. These weapons won't prosper. That's true. But you don't just say, well, Lord, take care of it. You said they won't prosper. You can believe that and say that, which I do believe that and say that. But then I need to be doing my part and binding the forces and considering it done and saying, now these weapons can't prosper, Lord. Thank you. I'm taking authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus. They can't prosper. I thank you, Lord, that you got them. 
In other words, you did your part, but if you just say, God, you take care of them, the uh, Lord would tell you, he'd say, hey, I've given you the authority. Why do you think I've re- I had uh, Luke 10, 19, and 20 there saying you have authority over the spirits? Why would I give you authority over the spirits if I didn't intend for you to use them? I knew you were going to need to use them because we're going through something this time and area that people are seeing more and more. In fact, it always was, but now more because the days are short. And that is spiritual warfare, and this is what they call spiritual warfare, taking the authority over the strong man, over the evil, over the darkness, you see. Uh, the Bible tells us in Psalms 107:20 that he sent his word to heal us and deliver us from our destruction. His word, his word was Jesus, the living word, and the written word we have here. He sent his word to heal us and deliver us. And that word is, you take authority over that thing and you claim my word that by my stripes you've been whole, you see. You're made healed. You're made whole. In other words, I'm not going to heal you. I healed you 2,000 years ago when I died on the cross, shed my blood, and had those stripes on my back for you. By my stripes you were healed, First Peter 2.24. So you see, that's the authority again. Uh, what I'm trying to link here, so you, I think you remember getting the message a little bit, what I'm talking about right here, because what happens is uh, the things that are provided for us, he told you and I what to do and then just simply believe it's done, and it is done, you see, but we have a part, you see. We don't just say, well, Lord, you're, you're, I'm healed because you said this. We say it, but we declare it also. We declare it by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I bind the forces of darkness, any satanic activity off of me in the name of Jesus, and I receive what you did on 2,000 years ago. By your stripes, I've been made whole, so I have no disease. I have no sickness, because I'm healed. I'm healed. You healed me 2,000 years ago. Nothing can stop that, Lord. I receive that. I thank you for that healing. That's how you talk. That's how I talk. That's how I receive my healing. I always bind the force of the enemy, whether the Holy Spirit directs me or not, because to make sure the strong man's God. Because Jesus said, first of all, before you do anything, you get rid of the strong man. I get rid of the devil. I kick him out of the situation. And then I declare the word of God. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Okay, the blood of the Lamb is what Jesus did for us. The word of our tech. Our testimony is what we declare, what we speak out. And what we speak out, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'll, I'll get into this later. But this, you see how all this goes together? I could just go on right on scripture after scripture after scripture speaking these things right now. But I want to take each scripture at a time. I don't want to get too fast for you and come out too, too quick on it for you. I have to slow down for everybody to understand what I'm saying here. But you'll see where it all lines up together. It's all there for you and I. We just have to piece it together. And and you don't have to be lightning fast in what you're saying. You just simply have to believe that and act upon that because that's what it's all about. You simply believe, act upon it, you declare it, and just receive it. I've got it. I've got it. Hey, I'm not going to get it. I am well. I am healed. I'm not going to, but I've got this thing, you see. I've got it is what you need to be saying because it's a sure thing. You can take it to the bank. Okay, he says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Do you know what that is really saying? Just to put it in simple English for us, us people, people that serve me, he says, the heritage, that, that's what comes to my folks. That's what comes to my people. That's what comes to my kids right there. That, that's what I've given them. It's my children. It's my generation. It's part of me. That's the heritage. That's their right. That's their legal right for me from heaven that they have these things. That's, that's what I declare from heaven, that my children will have this. That's, that's their right, that they will not be, their weapon will be formed against them, will prosper. And he says that uh, this is our right. And their righteousness, their right standing and their goodness is of me, saith the Lord. So I'm of God. You see, I'm not of myself. I'm of God. My righteousness and everything about me is of God. If it was in me and the devil had no protection on me, or God had no protection on me, what do you think would happen to me if the devil attacked me? Well, if I had no protection, couldn't do anything, I'd be no match for the devil, would I? You wouldn't. Nobody would. You see, none of us are any match for the devil. But he said, their righteousness is of me, and my servants have this right. So God sealed it, and he's given it to us, and the devil can't do a thing about it. He tries to bluff you and tries to talk you out of it and tries to make you think you don't have it. But he knows very well when you use those words that I'm talking about, you use these scriptures, you say these things, he knows he cannot stop them. Because if he could, that means he'd be stronger than God. And I think you and I know better than that, don't we? So he's not facing me. He's facing God, you see. 
And, you know, in Revelation, I, I don't have the scripture. Or I know where it's at. I'm not going to get into it tonight. You know, when, when the uh, churches are revealed, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, if you read, we see the beginning of it, what Jesus looks like. And he has uh, the flames and fire in his eyes and the hair and the fire and the voice of many rivers. I mean, when I hear what he looks like and what he is now, uh, you can see why the devil was afraid of him, you know. <laughs> You could see that's who we have going for us, but quadrillions of angels, and we have all of heaven. It's just, uh, it's ridiculous what the devil is to try to even match up anything to heaven. So he is, he's a puny runt. Matter of fact, you know, when we see the devil, we'll look at him and you'll say, is this what the devil was? He caused all this problem, that little wimp? Actually, the Bible says that. It doesn't use the word wimp, but you're going to look at him. You mean he caused all this problem, little old him? You see, he is really puny when it comes to things of God, if we stay in the things of God. Now, to us, to fight him by ourselves, no, no, he's not. But in the Lord, hey, we are so much stronger, so much more powerful than he is. But it's only when we get out from under the umbrella of Jesus Christ that we're in trouble, you see. But we stand under that umbrella, we can walk in the water as supernaturally as Peter walked in that water, you see. And that's a prime example. He did the supernatural. He flew in the supernatural, couldn't be caught in that thing until he allowed what the waves, the wind, the sea, and the storm to rattle his cage, so to speak, and took his eyes off of Jesus and said, oh, my, that, oh, look at that wind, oh, look at that water. And when he did that, he lost, you see. But you and I need to keep focused on Jesus and his power, the power of God, knowing it's not us at all. It's not about us at all. It's about us in him, focusing on him and being led by him and being used by him, saying the words he wants to say, doing what he wants us to do. And when we do that, we can't be touched, folks. That's why the devil tries to take each one of us and knock us out of that position, because as we stay on that pathway, the pathway of God, we can't be touched. Wow. Praise God, praise God. Preaching, teaching myself happy here. Okay, which I am happy, but I'll tell you, this here just blesses your soul. Okay, let's see, right now, let's get down here to Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God, okay. How many people, or how many times have you heard people say, uh, Lord, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace? Well, according to this, it says, then let the peace of God. That means let the peace of God. That means you let the peace of God. So how do you do that? I'm glad you asked me. Amen. I'm glad you asked me. You let the peace of God rule in your heart when you simply believe and declare the word of God and trust God. Because when you take it out of your hands and give it to God in his hands and trust God and know you are in his hands and nothing can touch you and hurt you, what would you have other than peace? When it's all in God's hands, what does that produce? It's no longer on you, in you, and no longer you're afraid of it because Father God has it. He can handle everything. So if he's handling everything, why aren't you in peace? Well, you would be in peace, wouldn't you? So you let the peace of God rule in your life and your heart by trusting God, believing him, committing it all to him, and not trying to carry it yourself. You that are heavy laden, he said, come on to me and I'll give you rest. Give your burdens to me. Give the things to me that are hurting you, and I will give you peace. I'll give you rest. And that's how you let the peace of God rule your heart, by giving it all to God, you see. And he will give you that peace. It's his peace. Jesus said, the peace I give you, not as the world gives it, but I give you. I give you my peace. And he gives you his peace when you trust him. You give me yourself, your will, and everything that you have need of, and, and just give yourself to me, and I'll give you my peace. I call that a pretty fair exchange, isn't it? And that's really what it's all about, folks. And if we've ever needed that, if we have ever needed peace, it's in this hour more than any time on this earth. There's never been a time on this earth at any time in history, in the Bible, or before the times of the Bible, even time of prehistoric or things that hasn't even gotten into, is with anything like this now, because it's all about the end, the whole thing right here. It's about the end, and we're about to enter in. The Lord's trying to come back for us, and of course, all these other things, and we enter into glory for eternity. So you see it's winding down. That's why there's so much turmoil, because the devil knows he has very little time to go. And he knows where he's headed. Okay. 
Second Chronicles sixteen nine, and I love this one too. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Herein thou hast made done foolishly; therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Okay, we're focusing on the first part of that because that's what it's telling us for those who are seeking God. His eyes are going to and fro in the whole earth to find to show Himself strong. On behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Okay, those that give their lives to Jesus Christ, turn themselves over to him, and choose to die in the flesh, have a pure heart, to do it not for their glory, not to build themselves up, make a name for themselves, but say, Lord, I want to serve you and do what you want me to do to build your kingdom up. Because it's your kingdom, Lord. It's not my kingdom. It's you. I want to serve you for you, Lord, not for Ed. I want to serve for you. And when I have that type of an attitude, he said he'll, he will show himself strong in my life. You see, you have to qualify for the anointing. You qualify. He proves you because would you want to give some? Would you want to give a four-year-old a four-year-old a forty-five? Of course not. So, what he teaches us, what we do, what we experience in life, we need to apply the word of God that we can become stronger in the faith, more mature and understanding because. It's these steps, it's these trials, it's these testings, it's these challenges that we are challenged with that we need to take the Word of God, use the Word of God, and see victory. And because if we do that, we are qualifying ourselves that we can actually be used of Lord in greater ways today. But if you fail a test and continue to gripe, complain, and moan, and don't do the things that He wants you to do, and, and just uh, don't learn anything from him. You get bitter instead of better when you're challenged, when things come at you. When you and I do something like that, we're not learning a thing from it, you see. And if you don't learn from it, how in the world can you expect God to want to use you in a great way, you see? A lot of people want to be used of God in a great way, but there's a price to be paid, and that price is dying in the flesh, taking the word and using the word to see him work in and through your life. But it all requires being dying in the flesh. In fact, it even goes as far, which we need to, this is the real thing, reckon yourself dead, D-E-A-D. If you're dead, that's it. You don't, you don't feel, sense anything. There's no resistance at all with what comes your way because you're no longer involved. You're out of the picture. In other words, you're out of the picture, and God is in the picture completely. The complete picture of God is in you when you're out of the picture. If you're half in and half out, God's half in and half out. You see, and that's not a very good mixture. But we have to give them the full picture of God. That means we have to reckon ourselves dead and put this flesh down because that's the only way Jesus Christ shows to you and I is when we reckon ourselves dead and they see his actions by the fruit of the Spirit, not our feelings and our little pet peeves, and through the gifts of the Spirit, his empowerment, you see. But if you're living in the fruit of the Spirit and use faith, you're going to be used mightily in the gifts of the Spirit. Also, because you need to have that character, that foundation of character first before you become a mighty man or woman of God. You should, because if you don't, if you're a gifted person using the gift of the Spirit in a mighty way and you don't have the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit, you are bringing reproach to the gospel because they're seeing a person that's not living right and used of God, and that won't last very long. But that's what it is, so that's why we need to make sure our, our life has the foundation of fruit and character and integrity before we get out there reaching out and doing so much for God, you see. Because if that doesn't back it up, we're actually bringing a reproach. And I surely don't want to do that. We've seen enough reproaches over the years of enough people. Okay. Romans 6.11. Likewise, here we go. Same thing. Likewise, reckon yourself also yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I wouldn't even uh, realize we're going to go to that next, but that, that confirms it right there, which I just covered. Those two go hand in hand, the Holy Spirit brought together. You have to be dead because you're not going to hold anger. You're not going to hold unforgiveness. You see, and that's a key one, unforgiveness, holding odds or odd against somebody. And that thing will take you to hell because you can't go to heaven if you have unforgiveness of somebody. God won't forgive you. He said if, uh, in, in uh, Mark eleven twenty five 25 and 26, he said, if you stand with unforgiveness to your heart, 
you don't forgive. He said, neither will your father forgive you. That's what Jesus said. So if I hold a God and get somebody right now, say I, I develop unforgiveness toward a certain individual right now, and an hour from now I'd ask God to forgive me for a sin that I did, say I did something an hour from now was sin, Lord, forgive me. He would actually tell me, I can't forgive you. Do you forgive your, your brother there, you see? And if something happened to me another hour after that, I hadn't forgiven my brother, I wouldn't want to say where I would go. I mean, you know, we're getting, we're cutting it really close there, double-edged sword, but uh, I don't want to be holding on forgiveness in my heart towards anybody. I don't want to take the chance of losing it. So you need to keep yourself sin-free and unforgiveness-free and just say, Lord, forgive me, be repentant. Have a repentant of heart like David did. We need to really do that to make sure we have a open line with us and God for every reason because you don't know when you're going to leave this earth. You need to have everything you can get from God. You just need to keep that relationship. I need to keep that relationship. So we need to be very careful of our attitudes and our thoughts and our purposes and our motives behind everything we do. Why I'm on this program, like why do I preach, why do I teach, okay? What's my motives? Uh, do I have unforgiveness? Is my heart pure? Am I holding something against somebody? I need to look at myself too, folks. Am I right? Am I right? And we all need to do that because it's very easy. I don't care how far along you are. Apostle Paul had that problem. Remember about Timothy, or about Mark it was, I'm sorry. And Timothy had some difference of opinion right there. Barnabas had a little tiff about this thing. And uh, so you have to realize that we need to examine ourselves and really take a hold of ourselves and make sure that we're right. Okay. The next thing right here. First Peter one fifteen, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. Okay, as he is holy, be ye holy. All right. Now you'll say, how in the world can I be holy as the Lord is holy? Well, that simply means yielding yourself to Him and allowing Him to live a godly life in you and through you. Does that mean you're going to be perfect like he is, perfect like Jesus? No. But it means you're you're going to be at a certain level, and you're going to get more and more and closer to that as you reach out. You're never going to make the grade here. You're going to be like Paul, I press towards the mark of the high calling. You know, now that I have attained, but I press towards it in Philippians 3, 13, and 14. But the bottom line is you're becoming better at it, you see doing the things that please God with the, with your attitude, with your, your purpose, with everything that you do, you're going to be checking yourself. You're going to examine yourself. And we do. We do. We become much keener at it. And you know as you grow, you come to places that, hey, you, you really uh, feel that you're really there, but yet there's uh, another plateau you'll hit and you'll find, hey, I do fall short here. So, I mean, you're not going to be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, that's for sure. But that's what we do. So be holy as I am, holy. Put forth that effort. Be holy, godly as I am, you see. All right. Let's look here at something else. Let's look at another scripture right here. And John, uh, okay, yeah, John 16, 33. John 16 and 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Okay? He said, in me, you're going to have peace. But in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Of course, you're going to have trials. You're going to have a whole hell break loose, right? But in me, now, there's something he said in his that really encourages me. He said, be of good cheer. I'm to be of good cheer. I'm not to be down in the mouth and upset and fearful and worried and negative speaking a negative belly and, oh, we're not going to make it. Oh, look how bad this world's getting. Oh, what are we going to do? I'm not to be like that. He said, be of good cheer because he said, I have overcome the world. Now, if Jesus overcame the world, that means that I can overcome the world. That means I do overcome the world if I choose to. Remember in, uh, in uh, Romans 8, 30, uh, 7 and 8, it speaks about we're more than conquerors. Well, a conqueror was Jesus. He's a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And you know what that means? I'm following the one that conquered. You see, he made the pathway. I'm not the conqueror. I didn't defeat all these things. 
He defeated them, so therefore when things come my way, because he defeated them, all I have to do is make the same application and claim what he did and claim out against what I'm facing. And, hey, I go through it too because he initiated that, you see. That's why he came down this earth as an example to go through everything that mankind did, yet without sin, because he came out victorious 100%. He was perfect. He didn't make any mistakes. So, therefore, I won't be perfect like him, no. But I'm going to be able to, as much as I can, as close as I can get, I'm going to enjoy what he did and be a more than a conqueror, too, because he's given me the ability to be more than a conqueror. It's just like our wills to maybe help you understand what I'm saying a little better. You know, I have authority over my will. Because, you know, when when Jesus was in Gethsemane, remember how he sweat drops of blood uh, and he agonized about going to the cross and he said, but Father, he, he didn't want to go. He said, if possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he shed drops of blood because he literally bursted his blood vessels in his head. He was in such traumatic strain, right? And that blood that went down his forehead was the first time that Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood seven times, and that was the first time. And that first time, that blood that went down his forehead gives Ed and you and everybody in this world that names the name of Jesus Christ the authority and the ability to have whatever their will is, they are to give their will to you. In other words, who would want to go to the cross? Nobody would want to go through what he went through. Sometimes with you, Remember you or me, I don't want to go through this, I don't want to do this, but uh, Lord, I don't want to do, I just don't want to do this, but yet, not my will, but yours be done. I have that ability that no matter what God tells me to do, I have the ability to obey him and say no to my selfish will. That's why he gave me that ability, because if he doesn't have control of my will, God can have no control of me at all. That's one thing God has not control of, and he purposely said, I will not make a robot out of you. You are a free-willed person, but he wants you and me to give his will to him. So that's why he gave you and me the ability in Gethsemane when he did that with his father. That's why he did that, that you and I can do the same with the Lord, you know, the same with him. What he did there is say, hey, I don't really want this, Lord, but I choose to obey you. I choose your will be done in my life, not my will. Your will be done, not mine. I can do that no matter what I face. Because of him, not because I'm strong, not at all. It's because of what he did. I draw that strength from him. I say, Lord, what you did, and I'm asking you to help me in this. Help me that I do what you want me to do. And I say, not my will, but yours be done. And he will enable me to not only say that, but to act it out if I ask his help. Because, see, the things that we ask and we declare to him and choose to do for him, he gives us the, the ability, the strength, and everything to accomplish it where we couldn't begin to do any of it in ourselves. So remember this. You're going to get help from heaven when you choose to follow the Lord. It's not on your strength. So don't be saying, well, I would do this, but how in the world can I do it? I can't figure this out. I don't have an education. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Hey, that doesn't matter. You are not your source. God is your source, you say. And when he calls you for something, that's something you and I have to learn in a better way, is when he calls you for something, he sees the end result, he sees the victory in that thing, and he's going to give you everything if he has to move heaven and earth to get what you have need of to accomplish his project. All you have to do is give him your will and go to do it. And if you and I will do that, we will be able to accomplish it because it won't be our strength. It won't be anything that we can do. We just acted it out. We just did what he told us to do, and he gave us the power to do it. That's why we, we give him all the glory. We don't take glory for anything because we didn't do it. That 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 would be a lie. <laughs> time, if I, when I do things for the Lord, as he, he flows through my life, and I claim healings and miracles and things that God uses and does through me, if I was to try to take credit for that, that would be a lie because, first of all, I didn't do it. All I did was just say word or do something, whatever, and it happened. Did I do it? No. I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. So get your mind out of your lack of ability because we all lack ability. None of us have supernatural ability in ourselves. It's always drawn from the Lord. So that's why he always gets the credit for the glory because Jesus said, hey, look, he said, without me, you cannot do a thing. Remember that, son. Without me, you can't do a thing. You're dependent on me. You need me. You ask my permission what you want to do. You ask my help. You look to me because you can't do it yourself. We need to tell ourselves that. We need to tell our flesh that, hey, you can't do a thing. 
only thing you can do is what really what God wants you to do. He wants you to will your will to his will and do what he wants. Then he's going to give you the ability to fulfill that job. Amen? That's good preaching, folks. That's pretty good. That's not any good preaching. That's a good thing to live by. That's a good thing we better be living by. Amen? All right. Psalm 6 is 618. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, my, my, my. Isn't that the truth? You know, before I pray for people, a lot of times, that, that always have it in my mind if God has me to say something to them or whatever, but I always think if that person is in sin or doing something, if they're regarding uh, some type of sin, whether it's adultery, might be a woman, might be a man, whatever, anything that's not godly, if you do in your mind now, let me tell you about that. You know, if I look at a woman in my mind and imagine the wrong thing with her, that's the same as doing the act, adultery. I'm married. If I look at a woman and imagine what I shouldn't imagine, that's adultery. Just the same as I would actually physically do it. And and that's not that's just one thing. If I uh, have another thing in my mind that I want to steal something or if I want to cheat or any, anything that's wrong, if I have it in my mind, if I regard it, if I'm considering it, the Lord won't hear me. That's pretty stiff. That's pretty stiff, isn't it? So that's why we have to have a clear mind and a clear heart when we pray, because we could be praying to the cows come home, and if there's something wrong, they won't go over the ceiling, you see, because there's, there's something blocking it. And the thing that I always want to make sure of in my own life, is there anything blocking Ed here? Am I waiting for certain things because Ed has, has messed up and he needs to get some things straightened out before he's going to receive this? So this is why we have to examine ourselves, because some people sometimes will be actually blocking their own blessings. You know, and I've seen it happen with people, uh, man and wife relationship, but because they had odds, the woman got healed when they got that straightened out. I've seen it happen with a pastor that had odds for a period of time and couldn't get victory, and anyhow, he got that straightened out. Now, a lot of cases, I'm not going to take time to go into details, but you need to have a free mind and a free heart of love. And that's what we really need to do. And I, I challenge myself when I teach this to you because I know I have to walk that way too. I'm talking some heavy stuff, but I'm talking the stuff right here that's going to take you to what the Bible says that there'll be no limit on you. You'll operate just like Jesus did in a powerful way. And all of us, that goes for all of us because God wants to use us more than we've ever experienced. And we're seeing it now, but there's a lot more to see and there's a lot more things in our areas of, of power a lot more things in our areas of holiness and the way we walk and our character. They go hand in hand. Okay, uh, Joshua 1.8. This is really a good one here. They're all good, but listen to this. Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's a lot of things said in that verse. That's the biggest verse that I have, that I know of right now, of explanations in one verse right there that uh, it says a whole lot. Now, I'm going to begin out here. It says, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night. Okay, the word of God, the truth of God, shall stay in your mouth. It shall stay with you. Don't lose that, what you know. Maintain that. Like Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I will not sit against thee. It must be hidden out of heart. It must be kept in there, right? So don't leave it depart. Keep a hold of that thing. Don't forget it. Keep a hold of that thing. And it says, Thou will meditate upon it day and night. That means keep it. That's how you keep it in your heart. You meditate upon it. You think about it. Meditate. And the Lord gives you revelations on it. As you meditate, you see, revelation will fall. Revelation follows meditation. In fact, I, I get revelation even when I'm not meditating. God, I could be watching a TV program and new revelation will pop into my head. It might even be something said in the TV program. There will be a word said in this program that it will sperm something in my mind, sperm something in my mind that, that uh, it will actually give me a revelation. It's really strange how it happens. But God ministers to you <laughs> wherever you're at. You know, you just, you just have your spirit man open, and the Holy Ghost talks to you, you see. And uh, that's why a lot of times I'm watching TV. I'm not watching TV. I don't even know what's going on. It's just on. My wife's the same way. And then it says, 
that thou mayest to observe to do all written therein. Uh-oh, there's the word do again. We're to meditate on it day and night. Don't leave it depart from us that we might observe to do. To do. Does that mean just to know? No, it says to do according to all that's written. So we're going to do. We have to meditate and study it and keep it in our hearts and minds that we will actually do it. Remember, be the first verse we quoted, James 1, uh, 22, be not hearers only, but be doers, or you deceive yourself. We need to be doers, right? Okay, be doers. And it says, then you'll make your way prosperous. Did that say God will make your way prosperous? Uh-uh, God doesn't make my way prosperous. It says, then you will make, or thou, it says in the Bible, Bill, or you, that's what it means, will make your way prosperous. Ed will make his way prosperous if he does it. Ed will do it. Well, we realize it's all through God, but I'm just simply obeying what God told me to do, and because God told me that, there's certain things that come out of what he tells me to do, and that's the thing that comes out of it. I will be prosperous when I do that. He declared this verse, and if I do those things, that I will make myself prosperous. So Ed made himself prosperous by obeying the word of the Lord, right? I made myself prosperous, right? And then he said, I'll have good success. And that means in every area, we're not talking about just finances. We're talking about every area from health to finances, relationship, ministry, uh, marriage, children, family, friends, you name it, you see. But your life prospers. Abundant life, John 10.10. Jesus came to give an abundant life. You're going to actually live it. I'm going to actually live an abundant life. Actually going to have a fruitful life, live a fruitful life, be effective in the ministry that I'm doing. You see, I'm going to be more effective. I'm going to be more prosperous. The more I do this, you see, it's a, it's a growing process. We never reach the top, folks. We never reach the top. I've come a long way, folks, but I have a long ways to go, and so does everybody else. You can't name a person in the Bible other than the Lord himself, of course, or any general that you heard of or know of. I don't care if it's Smith Wigglesworth or you name them all. <laughs> we, we have a long way to go. In fact, what we're going to learn is going to surpass them. What we're doing, if any, what Smith Wigglesworth did or anybody else, even above what Jesus did, because Jesus said, he said the moderate, the first reign when he was here was moderate. But Jesus chose to just do so much. And I'm going to give you an example to qualify what I said, because some people say, ooh, you said about Jesus, you're going to do more than Jesus. Jesus said that. And I want to tell you, I want to explain that to you a little bit so you understand that. The Lord gave me that revelation. What it means, he gave it moderate rain. He said the first, uh, the first rain, okay? But the latter rain is going to be greater. And what it's like, and I've heard it explained this way. I heard a person say this one time. Uh, you know, when you plant grass seed, uh, water, water, you'll water it very lightly because you're eroded or you'll wash it away, right, the seed? So the first rain when Jesus was here, all these great things that happened, and they were great things, folks. All this, most people even today can't ever receive. A lot of them don't even believe in a lot of the experiences today, the miracles and healings and things. So it was hard for a lot of people to swallow what Jesus did, the great things that he did. So he did those things to get the grass growing. You see, the seed was planted. He planted the seed, and the grass started to grow. The mighty works that have been shown from his time on through where we are right now. But this latter rain, he's holding nothing back. The portals of heaven are opened up, and it's coming down stronger than it ever did even when he was on this earth for the purpose of getting as many people in the kingdom as he can. So Jesus said, I gave him a certain volume. We'll, we'll say, I'm, I'm going to put this in a way that will help you understand it. It's just a, a way to give you better understanding. It's just like Jesus said, I'm going to turn up my what I did to 50%, and I'm going to do the 50% here when I'm on the earth these 33 and a half years. Then he said, when, whenever the latter rain starts, what I'm going to do, I've prepared it that it's going to go up to 100% because the, the Father's opened the portals of heaven. He's raining down here like never before, and therefore they're going to do greater things than me and over a greater area because God is doing everything he possibly can do to bring as many people into the kingdom and reveal himself to this world before he sends his son back. He's doing all he can do, as much as he ever could do or ever will do with us people. He's doing it now. You see, there's going to be nothing held back. That's why you and I cannot hold back, folks. I can't tell myself that enough to be obedient unto him or tell you or anybody else of how you and I have such a great responsibility to be open that we don't hold back because God is not. 
The devil's not holding back. You can see that. I don't have to explain that to you. So we cannot hold back. We have to be out there. And that's what's happening right there, this latter rain. This latter rain is going to be something else, you see. And we've, we've experienced some of the, and I'm not going to get into this, but some of the, uh, one of the miracles recently uh, of a latter rain, if someone went into detail about it right now, some of you know it, it followed my ministry, what God has done, and, and see some of the people I'm involved with, you followed. And that's what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is God is showing himself, and this is what's happening today. So, uh, folks, getting back to where I was, I don't want to get out here too far, but what I'm going to say about this whole thing is uh, we are in a time that nothing's held back from God. We're in a fullness of forever was, a fullness of times before the end, before Jesus comes back to rapture the church and tribulation starts. So, in closing, I'm going to stop at that verse right there because that's such a powerful verse. Uh, We need to Give ourselves of God. First of all, give our hearts to God. If we don't know Jesus as our Savior, we need to come to Jesus like we, more than we ever need to come to Jesus because He is our only hope, folks. He's our only hope. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask those that right now, most important thing I can say, which is getting somebody saved, is if I've when I've talked this talk right here, I've said I've taught, I've preached this. And uh, if you say, well, that sounds good about this Jesus, but, hey, I don't know anything about Jesus. I never had any relationship with him. I've heard these things, but I, I don't know if I'm saved. How do I get saved? What, what, how am I going to go to heaven? How am I going to be a part of this? Well, first of all, you have to believe, first of all, that you're a sinner, that you're a sinner. For all sin and come short of the glory of God. And believe that Jesus Christ died, buried, and was resurrected for your sins. He shed his blood for your sins because he loves you. He shed his blood. He died on the cross for your sins. And he tells you, if we come to him and ask him to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us and become our Savior and our Lord, he'll do it. Because it says in Romans ten thirteen, that whosoever call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So all you have to do, and I'm going to lead you in that little prayer, it's, it's not the words we say. It's what we mean in our hearts. So what the words I lead you to say uh, must be in your heart. If they're not in your heart, then it won't work. But you have to mean it because God doesn't hear what I say in my mouth. He hears what my heart is really saying because that's what really counts. Remember how he told the Pharisees, Jesus said to them, he said, your lips speak of me, but your heart is far away. So I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. Coming to Jesus, that's the most important thing I can do in this program or any other program anybody can do is lead you to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I come to you now. I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn away from them. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Be my Savior. And I want you to be my Lord. I give my heart and my mind and my whole being, my will to you this very day to live for you. Thank you, Lord. I believe that I am saved because I called upon you. I knew that I was a sinner. I ask you to forgive me my sin, come into my heart and save me and take over my life. So therefore I am saved. So I thank you, Father. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I just ask those that receive Christ right now, I just ask you to touch them in a special way and direct their lives. Just take over their lives, Father. And have your way in their lives, Father. Help them, Father. I commit them to you, and I just bind any negative force of those who would try to hinder them right now, and I cast it away, and I ask you to send laborers to that harvest field right now and helping these people wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, Father, wherever they're at, and to get them into a place of people and fellowship, a church, and uh, those that could really help them to grow, Father, as little babies. And they grow with maturity, Father, because they are just born again now. 
and they need your guidance. They need to be nurtured and fed like a little baby does. And, Father, I just commit every one of them to you right now, and I thank you that you have them in your palm of your hands right now, in Jesus' name. Now, I would give you advice uh, right now to start in the book of John and read that. And as you read the Bible, always take it as God's love letter to you. Take it personally and say, Lord, help me to understand what I'm reading. As you read it, start with the book of St. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with St. John. Read that and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Just ask him, say, Lord, help me to understand this. And if you have questions or anything, you you can, on our program here, Reaching Out Radio International, you can uh, write that, put that down. You can send to me also uh, my Email address is, is uh, extended hands of Jesus at yahoo.com. And these are small casings. Extended hands of Jesus at yahoo.com. I'm there to pray with you, talk to you, counsel, not counsel, but minister to you. I'm not a licensed counselor, so I can't use that terminology, but I'm there to minister the Word of God to you. Because I know God can take care of things for you. So, in closing tonight, I'd just like to encourage everybody to follow the Lord. He's your answer to everything. And uh, like I say, contact me, contact Reaching Out Radio International, because we're really here to help you. Because I feel a really strong thing in me tonight from the Lord about, you know, your relationship to God and needs and to get you hooked up, and he wants to get you hooked up. So, uh, we are here to help you. That's why we have this program. That's why I do radio and live programs and everything. And if you want to look me up, I'm on Facebook, too. I'm on Facebook right there. I have a lot of multiple programs I'm on that I do, live programs, two radio programs. But I'm here to serve you, to help you. That's why I'm on to introduce you to Christ and let you experience him, because that's what it's all about. I'm not making you my follower. I'm making you Jesus, Paul. That's what I'm about, to get you, to win you over, but to turn you loose to Jesus because he's the one who leads your life, not me. No man, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this is all about. Okay, uh, that will end it for tonight, and I will be back in two weeks. I, I have programs on Reaching Out Radio International the second and the last Tuesday of every month. And I, I invite you all, and like I say, uh, if you have any questions for me for any other programs, I can give you times and dates and everything. But like I say, I'm here to serve and to help as many of you as I can. Okay, well, you all have a blessed week now. Go with Jesus Christ. He will go with you. He says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Amen. I love you all, and you have a blessed evening now. Good night, everybody.